Welcome to the Talk with Tori podcast. I'm your host, Tori Jones, and I'm so glad that you're here. It's time to have some fun. On each episode, I will chat with a friend and we will share random life topics, tips and tricks, fun stories, and more serious stories filled with some real talk to make you laugh, maybe cry, make you think, but most of all, bring a smile to your face. We all have a story to share, so I hope you enjoyed this one. So grab your favorite Starbucks, a glass of wine, water, I don't care, you do you girl, because it's time to peel back the layers and add a little spice to it. All right. Hey, Kelly, we're live. What's up? Not much. I just dropped all my kiddos off. It gave me an opportunity to fix my hair for the week, you know, (laughs) showered. Oh my gosh. My husband's like, how many days have you gone with your hair in a ponytail? I'm like, well, hmm. However many days it is that I didn't have a chance to get going in the morning. Yeah. Well, what's funny is um, I tell my friends, so how I have my hair right now is like the knot on top of my head and half my hair curled. This is like my lazy girl do. Because I can curl half of it and then I can put the rest in a knot and people think I did it on purpose. And I'm like, actually... Um, it's lazy girl or you only have to do half your head. So I'm like, but, um, but I love that. Well, Kelly, I'm so glad to have you on the show today because you just have such a wealth of knowledge in so many different areas of your life. You've had a lot of really different experiences that I think bring so much hope to people, but also encouragement as far as like being an entrepreneur and starting your own business. Kelly, I will want to tell everyone kind of how I know you. So our moms are friends. And so that's how I know who you are. But I know you because we're kind of from a similar area, even though you're kind of on the dark side. You're a river rat. Um, (laughs) So we're from Alexandria, Pineville. And um, I'm from Alexandria and she's from Pineville. And I don't know if it's kind of funny because like, I, I mean, everyone's friends and everyone knows everyone in the area, but like, there's always that like fun rivalry between the two And I don't think you ever get rid of it. I think everyone still it's, has that rivalry. Because in, insanely enough, um, you know, I moved to Baton Rouge after high school and stayed here when I married Travis. But there's three very close of our friends, Benji Walton, Gavin Flossick, um, and they moved in our neighborhood and we all lived like right across the street from each other. Jordan Faircloth lives in the neighborhood. So it's like, they all give me a hard time because I went to country day, but then I went to Pineville high school and they said that you can't ever get that, you know, off your rap sheet, you know, that. Oh yeah. That's what's so, that's what's so funny is like, it's still like that, like ultimate, like town rivalry. So basically everyone that's listening that wouldn't know it's like two connecting towns, but it's like two different worlds slash not really, but everyone always has that rivalry. So we like to call them um, the Pineville River Rats, but they used to call us Ash Trash. So it's, yeah. all, it's all the same thing. But anyway, so I know Kelly because our moms play golf together, but also we're from the same area. She's a few years older than me. So we did we weren't necessarily in like, you know, we didn't go to school at the same time or anything, but we definitely, you know, knew knew mutual people in kind of our small town area. And so um, I'm just, I've always been inspired by Kelly's story. So I was really excited that she wanted to come talk to us. So Kelly, will you tell everyone a little bit more about you, kind of what you do, where your life is, and maybe a funny story and memory about your life that all the people would want to know about? Okay. Um, well, like Tori said, I grew up, I technically grew up in Tioga, which is like, Oh, that's even different. 
Um, and we, um, went to, I went to school in Alexandria and then I went to high school at Pineville and then I graduated and came to LSU. Um, my mom was, you know, all about me pursuing a career in speech pathology, even though I wanted to do fashion merchandising. She just worried what was going to work and what was I going to do? And she's kind of more of like the calm, safer route. And I've always been a little bit more on the risky side. So I graduated in that clearly did nothing with it. And I ended up working right out of college for an insurance company, Farm Bureau, which will come back into play later in our story. But it was an amazing first job. They gave me so much experience as far as life skills, sales skills, and then truly just a community and and what life is about. And then I started having my children, was staying home for a few years, and then I opened um, my business, Simply Chic. And this will be five years that that business has been open. Five years. That's crazy. Well, I know everybody's going to want to see your online boutique and in store. Um, and so I I love shopping. I mean, my husband is always like, you buy a new thing every day, but I'm like, that's what keeps me happy. And okay. like, when you look good, you feel good. So do you have any, a funny story or a fun memory that you could share with us? Um, so I would like racked my brain on this one. And I mean, I could think of a couple, I think what I'll share is, um, I, I have this scar on my nose. I don't know if okay. I see it. Um, but when I was four years old, I've always been a curious person and probably lived on the edge a little bit, but I pulled a pitching machine over on top of me. And I had to have 50 stitches in my uh, nose. And it was kind of a crazy moment in, in life. And I guess I learned my lesson to not get into things that I shouldn't get into very early on. Um, and God put a little scar on there to prove that I've always kind of um, teetered on the edge of things that maybe I shouldn't wow. get in and uh, that lessons can be learned from that. So, Okay. Well, I'm shocked that 50 stitches, you would never know because like yeah. I had two stitches on my chin where I kind of had a questionable spot and you can definitely see that more than you can see on your nose. So that is, they did a really good job. My, um, they, my parents called a plastic surgeon to come in to do it. And, um, she was really into rodeo. And so I went through this like four year period of life. In fact, I have these pictures hanging upside down on the monkey bars at country day. And I have on the highest waisted, like Wrangler style jeans, (laughs) a little button down, like cowboy shirt, cowboy boots. I was into Dolly Parton and Reba McIntyre. They're my role models. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, that's a great story. I think everyone has that story of like one time when they took a risk, they broke a bone or they busted their head open or something like that. But um, 50 stitches, that takes the cake. One time I um, was chasing a boy down the stairs. I was on vacation with the family for eight days in Panama City, the second day of our eight-day vacation. I was in the eighth grade and I was chasing a boy. You know, it was cool to meet a boy on the beach or something. Yeah. And I chased him down the stairs and toppled down and broke my wrist and had to wear a cast for 10 weeks. And so I had to fly home by myself. But anyways, I was always like, well, that that was my sign at a young age, not to be chasing boys, let them chase me. So, that's right. <laughs> that's kind of what I did. But um, okay, so tell us about your family. So you're a mama and a business owner and your husband, you know, has his thing going on. So how do you do it all? And tell us about the dynamic of what your family's looking like these days. 
Oh, that's a, a loaded question because I feel like it's a constant work in progress. You know, uh, six months, eight months ago, things look totally different than they do now. Um, I guess to sum it up, it's it's just finding like your most important things. And I'm reading this book right now. It's a really good book. You should read it. It's called High Performance Habits by Brandon Burchard. Yeah, I've heard of it. And I listen to a lot of podcasts lately and it, they really talk about the book a lot. So I was like, well, I should read this. And I think on a new perspective with COVID and all that's going on, um, the advice I've taken from the book is to choose three words and those three w- words should guide you in your family life and in your work life. And for me, it's faithful, serving, and a role model. Um, those aren't always... The, the way that I am in my day, but those are the ways that I try to strive uh, on the day-to-day basis. And, you know, starting my day out um, with maybe a moment of reflection and, and how I'm going to handle the day and asking God to protect our family and then um, trying to serve others. You know, um, my children obviously come first. So we start the day running and gunning, getting lunches ready and wear our shoes, um, making sure that they get a hug and know that we love them. Um, You know, being a parent to children in middle school is a lot of discipline. And and that's hard because you love them and you want the best for them, but you also have to teach them. And so, you know, we have had a week, in fact, where they were both punished because they kind of got into trouble and, and stick into what you say is, I think, most important as a parent. And so that's part of it. And then have a two-year-old who is just wild and crazy and she really stirs up the pot. And then um, serving my husband, you know, he works hard every day to provide the life that we live and, um, you know, juggling running my business, which was supposed to be fun, but has now turned into a truly, um, big adventure and making sure that I still cook dinner. You know, you know, my family and we love to cook and entertain. And so there's this little, like, it's kind of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. The devil's like, you don't need to cook. And I hear my grandmother saying, yes, you do. A hot meal is the most important part of your day, you know? (laughs) So, um, just balance some days. I feel like I do great. And other days I feel like I don't do so great. Um, and it's all about just keeping your priorities in line. And, um, for me, it is exactly that, you know, I have a really close friend. She, I, I encourage people to find this type of friend. She came into my life as an adult. She has a family dynamic like me. She has three children. They're a little further on in life. And she's my go-to when I'm struggling with being a good parent, um, making the good choices for my kids. Maybe I'm bogged down. And, and she says, are you being a good mother? Are you being a good wife? And as long as those two things are top of your list, the rest will fall into place, um, you know, how it's supposed to be. And so um, that is a struggle when you want something for yourself. It's just, you know, finding the balance. Um, But luckily with this little device I'm holding in my hand, you can get a lot done even when you're not present at your business. Yeah. I I mean, that is the nice thing about technology is that you're able to kind of do it all. I love that you shared that about it being hard and disciplined. I know um, my husband and I hope to have children one day. We don't yet. And so one time I was talking to a friend that she, she has older kids, like they're in college. And she said, you know, it is very hard to parent, but she goes, one thing I always think about is there are some days that you're like, do I really want to discipline them right now? Do I really feel like it? But God 
God gave you these kids to bring them into the world. And she goes, I always remind myself of that. And so I agree with you about having adult friends. My friends and I talk about that a lot, about how a lot of the greatest people in our lives will come later. And it's not just people we've grown up with, even though those people, I know you have a good group of friends that y'all are still best friends and I do too. But um, a lot of the people that are going to be so influential come later. And I think that's really something exciting to look towards. Um, Right. Well, I feel like your current friends and the girlfriends that you're talking about, we're in the thick of it together and we're tired and we're, you know, having these difficult days and we're not going to bed till late because there's, you know, so much to do. And I feel like having that friend that's a little further along in life just gives you that breath of fresh air. That's like, it's okay. Like this is just the phase that you're in and it's going to get better. It's going to get easier. Um, You know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. and. You know, I think we live in a culture and I think you could probably agree with this that, you know, both parents work and it's, you know, I chose to, to, to have my career path and, um, I want it because it really fills my cup and we can talk about that more later, but it's also just the balance of finding enough hours in the day to get all the things that you need to accomplish. And she always just reassures me that, you know, it will get a little bit easier and there is another, you know, uh, route coming that where you're not, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with a two-year-old crying and, you know, you will get to sleep at some point again <laughs> and wash your hair and peace. Yes, and wash your hair. Well, I'm, a, I'm about a, a one-weeker wash my hair. I'm going to have this new hair tool that it makes me want to wash my hair. The Revlon One Step. Do you know what that is? Yes, I've seen it. Yes. Oh, I love it. And so it makes me want to wash my hair more. But before that, I'd be going eight or nine days. So um, (laughs) I can't imagine when I have kids, I'll be like, three weeks, I'm washing it. (laughs) um, But yeah, well, thanks for sharing all that. I think it's so refreshing to hear honest women talking about the importance of a career and being a mom and being a wife and being all the things. I remember... I'm not as much of a homemaker. Actually, my husband's better at a lot of that than me. I'm really not. Like, I'm just like yapping his ear off and running around and acting crazy. And, but I've tried to get better at it. And he's just, he's more talented in that. That's what he's really good at cleaning and cooking and all of that. Um, And I remember telling one of my friends, like, sometimes I feel like, I'm just failing at the wife thing. And she was like, he didn't marry you because of that. That is not why right. he married you. And I was like, that is such good advice because we're never going to be perfect wives or perfect moms or perfect businesswomen, but we can be what we can. And right. we, you know, got to be a team. So switching gears a little bit, what would you say is your happy place? Do you have a happy place like that you go to that just brings you joy? I would say my store. You know, um, we'll like get into this, I think later on, but, um, when we found out my dad was sick, I had just announced that I was going to open the store. And my first inclination is the day that we found out was I can't open the store. I can't have this business. I need to be there for him. Um, I need to be there for my mom. You know, all these things ran through my head and his first comment was, this was God's plan. He knew that you needed something to pour your energy into and an outlet for the things that I'd gone through. And um, it was his essentially last project. You know, I think he did some work for your parents. He did iron work and um, he, the angel wings on the wall, he made those, he made the chandelier that hangs in the center of the store, the table. And, um, you know, he wanted it to be absolutely perfect and spent 
an entire month basically helping me get it set up. And um, that place in itself, um, you know, I've, I've had people make comments and things. Just walking into my store, you get this sense of there's more to it than what it is. You know, the angel wings are uh, just like almost this label of there's something more here. Um, and I hope that's the experience that everyone gets. Um, you know, we're human and some days maybe we are busy and we don't give the best customer service, but I have tried to create an environment that as soon as you walk through those doors, um, it just feels good. And, and for me, it really is, it is my happy place. I love that. Um, well, we can kind of talk about your store a little bit. Yeah. Um, Tell us about starting that store. I know you kind of talked about, you know, it was a project right before your dad got sick. Um, And so what is it, what was it like starting that store and what is it like being a business owner? Oh, so the part of the store that I think I um, underestimated is, you know, I grew up in, I worked at Kaplan's in Alexandria. I don't know if you remember that, but I worked in Business side, which was, I mean, early 2000s, um, loved it. It was just, I loved I'm going to work there. Yeah, I I'm mean, yeah. it's a fun uh, I made so many friends, and I have the classic Tommy Hill figure bag that everyone carried back in the day. And um, so I love retail. Um, and I worked in retail all through um, college. But when I opened the store, you know, I went to market, did all the things to get started. But we live in such a social media world. And I never realized how much of my time was going to be devoted to my phone and the social media and Instagram and Facebook and, um, you know, responding to people's comments and quotes. So that took a little bit of adjusting on that side. And I learned early on that it would be super beneficial to hire a younger girl who knew more about those things to help me. And, and so just like we talked earlier, I think I'm an advocate for if you have this big dream and and it's something that's weighed on you for a long time, um, to go for it. I'll back up a little bit and, and just dive into, you know, my whole story and then come back to this as best that I can. Um, so my husband and I met at LSU we got married in 2009. We both had jobs. Um, I worked at Farm Bureau Insurance. He worked for Lamar Advertising. And we were living this really good life. Um, we moved into our first home. I, um, you know, We kind of started toying with the idea of having a baby. And before we knew it, we were pregnant. And I'm from you know our area, which is so hospitable. And I think I had like five baby showers. Oh. Everyone wanted to throw me a baby shower. The people at our church wanted to show me a baby shower. My mom's work wanted to throw me a baby shower. Um, everybody was just like rallying his family, his coworkers, my work. And life was honestly um, perfect to sum it up. I mean, it was better in my mind than I could have ever dreamed of a life that I was living. Um, And we're, you know, decorating the room. And I would call my mom because this feeling of just um, insane gratitude and guilt of almost like how blessed we were. Um, You know, I didn't, my parents worked two and three jobs growing up. Um, They provided for us. They gave us vacations. They sent us to private school, but it was a struggle. And 
we were able to go to school, graduate, get really nice jobs, buy our first house and start our life on a much better foot than they were. And it just was this feeling of, I couldn't believe the blessings that were flowing in, to be perfectly honest. And I would call my mom on a regular basis and I would say, mom, I cannot believe the blessings that I'm receiving. And I almost feel guilty. And I know that something's going to happen in my life that's going to make me rely on my faith. But right now, I just am blown away by what God is doing and, and the fact that all these good things are happening. And then a week later, I would call and I would just say, I just can't believe, you know, all these great things are happening. And um, I was pregnant and I was due on December 29th or 27th. And um, it was Christmas. And so we were busy and the holidays and I really wanted everyone to be here um, for the delivery. So that year in particular, my parents came, my brother came and we hosted Christmas and everyone stayed with us. Well, my mom um, had had surgery on her neck and was actually on a sabbatical from work. And so I asked if she would just stay with us until I had the baby. So on December 27th, we go to the hospital. And at this point, I'm right at my due date and asked the you know, doctor you know, if we could come in to figure out an induction plan or whatever. And a lot of times with your first baby, um, you don't go into labor naturally. So we go in, my mom's sitting with us in the waiting room and Travis and I walk back into the office and this feeling just literally came over me as I made the, the corner into the office. And at that moment, I didn't know what it was, but um, I'll sit in the chair and they start to do the Doppler to find the baby's heartbeat. And the nurse is, you know, doing the Doppler and she's moving it all over. And I could kind of tell something was wrong. My husband was still, you know, didn't know what was going on. And I looked up and I said, you can't find the heartbeat. And my husband was like, what are you talking about? I was like, there's no heartbeat. And he was like, it's okay, Kelly, it's fine. So at this point, the doctor comes in, they're trying to do the Doppler. And I just looked up and I said, she's gone. And at that point, my husband still couldn't believe it. He was like, what are you talking about? She's gone. There's no way, you know, that she's gone. And I said, there's no heartbeat. Um, So my mom comes in and at this point, we're just trying to, you know, decompress what's happening. And the doctor starts to talk. And it's like when you watch a movie and the character freezes and there's all these noises around, but you can't hear anything. All of a sudden, it just, the feeling that I felt when I walked in that room, I I knew what it was. So, um, sorry, I tell this story all the time, but I cry every time, you know, to keep it short because I have a big story. Um, We spent two days at the hospital and they told us that with the fact that I hadn't progressed and the fact that she had passed, uh, it was super risky to do a C-section because there's like other complications. So they basically put me on some some drugs to just help me go into labor naturally. And once we wheeled over to the hospital, 
it all kind of flooded in that God had been preparing me for that moment. You know, I am not a perfect person. I've definitely had my fair share of sin and and trials in my life. But the one thing that my parents did instill in me was a very strong faith. And I think that you don't know when that's going to you know, come into play. Um, but when it does, it's probably the most powerful thing that you can have in your tool shed. And that day, it was a make it or break it for my husband, for my family, for my brother. Um, and I called my dad, I called him to come. Um, I have this vision of him because he was so excited for a grandbaby and he said he was getting his hair cut. And when I called, he walked outside and I told him the news and he said he just fell to the ground and I can still see him in that moment because to sum up, my dad, it would be like our heavenly father. He is an incredible person. And um, so, you know, my dad it was is an incredible person. And I think, you know, for me, uh, it's always been really easy to believe in our heavenly father because I had such a good earthly father that loved me without judgment no matter what I'd done or what I would do, um, he was there with open arms. And when I hurt, he hurt. And I think that day was the epitome of probably what our Heavenly Father was doing for me. You know, a question that has come to me a lot is, do you think that God allows these things to happen? And, you know, in my faith and my belief, it's the sin in the world. Bad things happen because there's sin in the world. He didn't create it to happen. He could intervene. He could make things change, but then that would, uh, you know, take away the free will in life or, you know, things happen. So everyone comes to the hospital. I immediately start praying with all the nurses, you know, it was a long process. So I had nurse after nurse after nurse. And, um, when I share this story and only the story, each nurse was an intricate part of the process. And I felt like God truly sent them for each step of the way. And on December 29th at, um, a little after midnight, I delivered uh, Amelia Jewel. And to be quite honest, she was perfect. There was um, nothing wrong with her. She um, had all of her um, fingers and toes and um, sweet little features, curly hair. And um, they call it um, born sleeping. So she basically just passed in utero. And um, we did an autopsy. We had all of these test run and they call it SIDS in utero. And there's just really no explanation. Um, so, you know, obviously that was a lot to handle for a young couple. And um, I was 25 whenever that happened. And, um, you know, my husband and I will say to this day, um, and I'm so proud of him because Travis was a faithful person um, prior to definitely had a relationship with the Lord, but I don't know that he had a daily walk, you know, um, and he'll even admit that. And for us, it was the moment of acceptance in that hospital. And he'll, he will even say that I was able to say, it's, this is going to be okay. God did not do this to us and we are going to get through it. And he I mean, will vouch to this day that had I not 
leaned on my faith in that moment, he may have been forever lost. And my brother, you know, says the same thing. He says that, you know, when he found out he was angry and mad and then to see that he walked in that room and I was still able to have faith, you know, it really struck him for a really long time. And for me, that was just a supernatural process because I don't have another way that I would have been able to get through this other than the fact that I could rely on my faith and and knew that, you know, God was holding me through all of that. So we go through the first year and, um, you know, a lot transpired over that year, sadness, anger, all the stages of grief. And we still had this hope for a child. You know, we really wanted to have a baby. And even though there was all this fear surrounding it, um, our hearts just strongly desired to have a baby. And so we began to try again. We weren't having much success. And her first birthday was approaching. And um, there were some little hiccups around that. I really was wanting her headstone to be in by that point, but it was taking longer And so I started planning this elaborate birthday party for her. And I made this whimsical little um, display of ribbons and butterflies, Uh, had flowers and balloons. And Travis and I just decided on that day to share about our faith journey throughout the year and how that, you know, in the beginning, it was super hard. It was hard to get out of bed. It was hard to go to work. It was hard to do all these things but that each day we would pray and do our devotion. And then once we began to um, feel safer in trying to get pregnant again, we just asked that God, you know, reveal his timing to us and, and fully surrendering to his plan. And um, so it was the most beautiful celebration. And the very next day I found out that I was pregnant with our oh second my baby. Gosh. God is so good. Yeah. And the time of all of this, you know, throughout all of my story that I'm sharing, um, for me, I was impatient. And then when the timing was unveiled, it couldn't have been a more perfect time. And um, that's still something I have to work on. You know, I want it now. And God's like, just hold on. Mm-hmm. So I get pregnant with Trip, And um, we started having appointments early, early on lots of complications along the way. I had a two vessel umbilical cord. He had a cord plexus cyst that went away. I had critically low fluid. So to say the least, that tested our faith again, just because it was a really fearful time. I was on bed rest for three weeks. And so then we um, finally get to the end and I'm 37 weeks and they just tell me that I'll be induced just for safe purposes. Mm-hmm. And maternal fetal had watched me the entire time. And my doctor was like, everything is great. You're going to have a baby today. So I go in to deliver and um, they in, are inducing me. And I still haven't had, um, my body hasn't gone into natural labor. And I don't do well with an epidural. It makes my blood pressure bottom out really bad. And as soon as they gave me the epidural, I was basically like falling asleep. And the doctor was said, Kelly, you know, this isn't healthy. We're going to have to give you some medicine to get your blood pressure back up. So when they did, it was just a perfect storm. My blood pressure skyrocketed, his blood pressure skyrocketed, and we had to have an emergency C-section. So at this point, everyone's still in a light mood. To my knowledge, everything was fine. And so they do the C-section and he comes out and he's not crying. So of course, 
I am crying and, and fearful. And they're like, it's okay. He was early. He's a preemie. Sometimes they have fluid in their lungs. So they get me all fixed up. They will me past him. I get to see him, but I still haven't gotten to hold him or any of that. They send us to my room and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And my mom is like, we should have heard something by now. Like we, we need to call down there. So we call down and two minutes later, I have a full room of doctors, nurses, the whole nine yards. And Dr. Davis starts talking and he says, well, he was doing this or he was doing that. And I'm like, he was, he is, you know, what's happening here? And he said, well, he is stable for the moment, but we have discovered that he has a severe heart defect called TAPVR. He has a hole in his heart and the hole is essentially what's keeping him alive. He's had two blood transfusions and we're going to need to airlift him to Oshner's in New Orleans. And Travis, as calmly as could be, sits down on the bed and he looks at me and he says, this is the way our life is going to be. We are going to be tested and tried, but we are going to get through it. And essentially, of course, I lost it. But it was almost this moment of like, how can this be real? How could we have lost a child? How could they watch us so careful? And how could... At that point, I have to be honest, a little bit of anger came in. And I'm like, how is God allowing, you know, these things to happen? And at that moment, I was really more relying on Travis's faith. Not that I had lost all faith, but I was just disappointed. I was let down. And so, oh no, I was tired, to be quite honest. Um, so at that point, we are, um, you know, get a plan, um, my mom, dad, and Travis go with the, they, they fly trip in a helicopter. My mom, dad, and Travis, I mean, my mom, Travis, and his dad go to New Orleans. And my poor sweet dad is stuck with me because he's the only one that can handle my uh, emotional crazy self. So he stays back. We wait for the doctor to discharge me. He helps get everything loaded up. He's the one keeping me calm. Um, you know, he, my dad has experienced a lot of trials in his life and He's always has a lot of perspective on, you know, just hardship and, and handling those things. So we make it to the hospital. I'm greeted with a team of doctors. Um, I can't say enough about Ashner's in New Orleans. They were absolutely incredible. I mean, they just, from the social workers to the doctors to yes. the nurses, everyone there. And we were there for uh, four weeks. And um, we were supposed to have surgery at four weeks. and he was still having, I mean, we went through a lot and to keep the time short, you know, there was lots of, um, you know, more transfusions. He wouldn't eat. He was super swollen. His kidneys were failing. His liver was failing, but finally they thought he was stable enough to do the surgery at four weeks. So, um, we prepared ourselves. We had this, everyone come, we prayed. And then about nine o'clock at night, a doctor walks in and he was the nephrologist. And he um, said, his kidney level is too bad. And if you have this surgery, he will end up on dialysis and a whole new slew of problems will occur. Wow. So we're like, okay, um, well, what are they going to do? So the next morning, they're like, we're sending you home. And we're like, excuse me, um, I've had around the clock care. I don't know how to take care of this baby. And they're like, nurses will come every day. You'll have checkups. So of course, this is essentially my first baby to bring home wow. uh, as a mom. And 
so we're we just you know follow what they say, and that was a really scary time. You know, I was so fearful each day, all through the night, um, tired, exhausted, and at that point, it was truly just our fate and and God essentially carrying us through that. I mean, there were some really really hard days. Um, I was dealing with the grief of losing Mia. I was dealing with the grief of. Um, all these visions of bringing a healthy baby home and being in our house in the crib and having people over to visit. No one could come visit. Wow. They couldn't be around him. Like now. It was essentially because they didn't want him to get sick. So um, then we go back at eight weeks. And I just had this vision to ask everyone to wear blue that day. And I remember. For, Pay for trip. It was all yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. And it pretty much went viral. Um, one of my friends made this pray for trip logo and people changed it on their Facebook page. We got emails, offices. And again, that was just God's way of placing this on my heart. And it was an eight hour surgery. But instead of sitting there in fear and worry, we were just bombarded with uh, balloons that uh, Travis's um, elementary school released balloons into the air with Bible verses attached to them. Um, all the people that we worked with, all of our friends, like small kids making videos and send it. And it was just this honest, just this hope. There was so much hope wrapped around him. Um, and we tell him that every day. Um, and I don't want to put this pressure, but you know, I do believe that God has really big plans for trip just because um, there was so much um, involved in getting him to the point that he is today. And we did the surgery. It went perfect. And he is a seven. He turned seven two weeks ago and he is perfect and healthy and, and absolutely a miracle to be quite honest, because there are so many parts that could have gone a different way. Um, and they, you know, they, they just worked out, um, in his favor. So fast forward six months, my husband comes home from work and I'm like, I have a surprise for you. And he's like, Oh, what's that? And I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and so was we, shocked? Were you shocked? we were both pretty shocked because I was still nursing and um, there was a lot of factors that I did not realize that you could, you know, get pregnant um, at that point. And, but again, God knew we needed Cooper because he came into this world um, flaming. He is <laughs> And, um, if it's something that is dangerous or scary, he's going to try it. And it was our way of, you know, God's like, you're not in control, enjoy life, live life. And, and Cooper is, is exactly that they're best friends. They're 16 months apart. They're asked if they're twins 24 seven and, um, know about their sister. We visit her. And so I was staying home with the boys. And at that point, Life was essentially, you know, back to normal, but I was still in a place of, um, you know, I had gone through a lot. Um, there's some things in my childhood and in my life that I battled with early on that, you know, I've shared in other and talks. And so I've always dealt with a little bit of anxiety and, um, but I've never really wanted to be reliant on medicine. There are definitely reasons for it. I believe in it. If you need it, use it. But I just really needed, in my opinion, an outlet, uh, somewhere to pour my energy into. And I do much better if I have, you know, a project 
say. So that's where the store, you know, came from. And I just started toying with the idea of opening the store and Travis being the faithful husband that he is said, well, you know, if this is what you want, let's do it. And, um, so we decided to open the store and we announced on Sunday and Monday we found out that my dad had ALS and that of all the things that I've talked about, the things, you know, early on in my life, the anxiety as a child, losing Mia, going through trip. Um, let's just say I broke a couple lamps that day. Um, I honestly, the second that the news came, I, I didn't want to believe it. Um, when dad called to tell me he was sick, um, he was like explaining the disease and I was at home at that time watching Ellen every day and the ice bucket challenge, you know, was such a big deal. And I knew immediately, you know, what the disease was, that there was no cure. Um, and I would have to say for the first time in my entire life, I, I did question God's goodness. I, couldn't believe that I had walked through these really hard things. I had been faithful through these really hard things and he was going to take the most important and most influential person in my faith away from me. Um, that took me a second to wrap my head around and Dad drove down the next day to visit. And he shared a story with me about when we were in the hospital with Trip. He had gone out on the levee and he had prayed. For God to take him instead of Trip. Wow. I don't think that's how God works. But because he is not a Lord that takes away for those reasons. And my dad does not, you know, fully believe that God traded his life for trips. But if it's what helped him get through this sickness and this suffering to know that God allowed Trip to live and for him to weigh that burden. It's probably the most selfless thing somebody can do. Amen. And it was the most amazing three years. He was very sick and there's a lot of, you know, very sad and gruesome details that go into that because you know my dad, your parents know my dad. He was a hardworking person that worked with his hands, was an outdoorsman. And within six months of the disease, he was in a wheelchair. Within eight months of the disease, he couldn't feed himself. Um, my mom took full care of him. Um, you know, with ALS, you're fighting for quality of life and just being able to do your day-to-day -day things. Um, we had some amazing caregivers um, throughout the way, again, all in God's timing. Um, but one day, my cousin Jacob Suter, who you know, called 
and I could overhear him talking. And I think Jacob um, was just, you know, kind of concerned about dad and where he was with his faith and how he was feeling going through all of this. And my dad was a veteran. So from the time he got sick until the end, he had every resource imaginable. And there's a lot of people with ALS that don't have these resources that have to do a lot of fundraising, get grants. Um, He got the most elaborate wheelchair. They provided a grant to um, update their house, but instead they ended up using the money to build a new house that was wheelchair accessible. Um, You know, my life was really great at that point my brother's life was really good. And so he felt really at peace with a lot of it. And I could overhear him talking and Jacob was, you know, just saying like, Uncle Ken, you know, um, are you angry? Are you sad? You know, how are you feeling about this disease? And my dad's exact words were, God is dropping more blessings than I could possibly pick up. Wow. I love that. And while I miss him more than life itself, because he passed away um, on June 29th, 2018, three days after I had my little girl, Camille, um, he left me so many memories and tools. I grieve for the loss of for him for my kids. You know, what an example, what a person to look up to. Um, you know, I, I think that when, you know, even for me speaking, I put this pressure on myself because I have had these life experiences. I have dealt with a lot of grief. I am an extremely faithful person, but I'm also a sinner. Um, you know, I think it's really important for people to understand that you don't have to be perfect to love the Lord. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. The only perfect person that walked this earth is Jesus yeah. and he gave his life for us. And he is the reason that we can sin and still have this hope that we can go to heaven and be with the ones that we love. And, you know, that's a lot for your listeners to process. It's, it's a lot of sadness. It's a lot of grief, but there's so many vital details that if I hadn't grown up with this toolbox of faith and this toolbox of verses and um, things, I wouldn't have walked through any of those experiences the way that, you know, I just explained it. Um, as our human nature, we're going to sin, we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I think as a parent, as a friend, um, as a, an acquaintance, you know, when I meet people, I try not to be fearful to share my faith out of judgment. I try to share my faith out of hope that when they go through something, they might remember what I shared with them. Um, you know, and that's hard. That's a hard road to walk. And I think that I, I look at my dad and I look at, there was, I, I don't know if you follow my stories that I share, but I wrote him a note when he passed. And I basically explained that I saw him striving to be better from the time I was a small kid to the day that he passed away. That's- he didn't that's what I pray for my kids to always see me want to be better. I mean, that what a cool memory that that's what you think of. It's not that we're not born with these characteristics. We're not born with, you know, an entrepreneur. We're not born with, sorry, you know, all these certain skills. 
it's important that we make mistakes and we learn from them and we move forward. And, and I struggle with that a lot. I think that's probably my biggest fault is finding the balance. But, um, you know, right now life is really great. Things are good, but you know, in my experience, we've have dealt with some sadness. So, you know, I try not to think that way, but, um, I think it's just important that we, you know, keep our faith and, um, have our hearts set on, on what's important most of the time so that, you know, when things do arise, we have a foundation to fall back on. Thank you for sharing all that, Kelly. I know it's not easy probably to talk about those emotions, um, and bring that up, but you, you bring me so much hope, Mm -hmm. um, because I know I've faced trials, but, um, and one thing I think is cool is, you know, how you, you talk a little bit about comparison and, Every trial, I love what your husband said, and I love how you talked about how he grew in his walk. Um, I've only been married a year and a half, but I've already been able to see my husband grow in that and to continue that. So I think that gives people a lot of hope, too. Um, Do you have a verse that you lean on that's like your main one that like if you're having one of those tough days that you could maybe give somebody to make sure that they memorize on the hard days when they're losing hope? That's a tough one. I would say I have a couple, you know, um, in this world, you will have trials, but, um, you know, do not fear he has overcome the world. And I think that's like a huge one. Um, because, you know, you know, you even addressed this, um, you said, you know, every person, if they have not experienced a deep loss yet, will one day, you know, what encouragement do you have for people? And, um, I think that's it. You know, if you haven't experienced loss and, you know, I speak about grief probably once a month, if it's not on some sort of podcast or at an event or, a, you know, a Lisey Heard asked me to speak to her um, Sunday school class or, you know, different things like that. It's having a conversation with a friend or somebody that I've met. And if you haven't walked through a really hard time, it's coming. Yeah. Whether it be directly to you, to your loved one, to your child, it will come. And I think it's important to know that when you're going through it, you have all these questions. What does the other side look like? But if you hold on with dear life, when you get the other side, you will see all the blessings that will come from it. So many blessings come out of those trials. Um, This past December, one of my lifelong best friends went through to the T the exact thing that I went through with Mia, with her first baby. And I got in the car, I put the pedal to the metal and I drove and I was there in the delivery room while she delivered. And I struggled. I struggled a lot because... I saw so much of what I went through in her. And in the moment, I was so focused on what I had to do and what I had to get through. But sitting there and looking in almost at myself, my heart broke all over again. No mother should go through that loss and that experience. And I have friends who maybe didn't experience a stillbirth, but they've experienced miscarriage or they can't have a baby. There's so many things that go into that little box of grief when it comes to 
having children or, you know, trying to get pregnant and then watching your child suffer. You know, I have friends who've had kids with cancer or their child has had epilepsy or, you know, trip is a whole nother ball game once you have that child and you're watching them suffer. Losing a parent is one of the hardest things you can go through. Um, you know, the childhood things that I walked through, that was a cross that I carried and it was a heavy cross that I carried and not everyone knew about that. And then when I started to experience these other things that everyone did know about, you know, I learned that you can't hide from your sin. And so as I have gotten older, I've opened up more about that anxiety and some of the things that occurred. Um, And I think that's my advice to others is that, you know, we're in this together. We can't keep our trials to ourselves. Um, And I know I can get long-winded on this, but, you know, my last, you know, I guess advice on that is, when I get to the pearly gates and I know I'm going, I'm not perfect. I'm going too. I'm going. I'm here and I have, I like to think that I've been faithful. My second verse is she has fought the good fight and she has won the race. And, and that I, I firmly believe, you know, I have a strong belief that it's not easy to go through the things that I've gone through. I could choose to live a life of resentment and anger and frustration, but it doesn't do anyone good. And I don't want to be false in saying that there were days where I didn't want to get out of bed. There were days when my dad was sick that I literally could barely function. I was not a good wife. I was not a good mom. The devil tried to attack my marriage because I was in such a deep and dark place. And had I allowed that to stay in that place and not choose to say, okay, today I failed, but tomorrow I have to do better. I would lose everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I try to tell people and encourage people is that right now, whatever you're going through is the hardest thing you've gone through. Don't compare it to what other people are going through. Um, because, you know, not having enough money to pay for this or that, if that's what you're going through, that's important. Um, if you're going through a really difficult breakup, that's important. Whatever it is that you are going through that you feel is something that is causing you fear and anxiety, it is difficult. The only way out is to take small steps each and every day towards what you want your life to look like. and. Most days, that is my focus. Some days, it's not. And I definitely fall short. And I fall short a lot more often than I would like. But my main focus is knowing that my children know the Lord and that my husband and I love each other and keep that our main goal for our family. Well, I love that. Thank you so much um, for sharing that. And I think that that's such good advice for people talking about you're going to go through something. And also, if whatever you're going through is should not be minimized. And it yeah. doesn't need to be minimized because your own struggle is your own struggle. So I appreciate you saying it like that. Well, um, you have such a beautiful story. And I love how God has been so faithful and how you've kept the faith through many, many trials at a young age. And um, I love that you want to carry on the legacy of your dad. I think that that's so amazing. And I know your kids probably feel like they know him because I'm sure you talk about him all the time. 
Don't you all just love Kelly and her story so far? I will be honest, y'all. This one really got me, and I had to get the tissues out. Kelly was so gracious to give all of our listeners a code for a 15% off discount to her precious boutique, Simply Chic in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Go to simplychicbr.com or check out Simply Chic BR on Instagram. They have the cutest clothes, accessories, and more. Use the one-time code TORI15 for a 15% off discount on your purchase. Get that holiday shopping in, y'all, because this code will expire December 31st, 2020. I can't wait to do some shopping. Information for this special will be in our show notes. Now let's get back to Kelly's story. Let's switch gears a little bit if you want to. Um, So your happy place is your store. So what is your business like in the pandemic? So, you know, um, when I first opened, like I said, I really had to find some help on like the social media aspect just because that was not necessarily a skill that I was really great at. I have a vision. I love um, aesthetic and and all of that. And so I've always hired someone to really help and that be their main focus. And that has been a huge and vital part of our success. You know, not this past March, COVID March, but the March before. I love everyone's calling it COVID March, but or <laughs> decided that I needed a website. And my husband was kind of against it. He's like, that's one more thing for you to keep up with. And I was like, but if I don't, I just feel like I'm going to be left behind. So I created our website as like best that I could. And we, you know, slowly evolved into using it. And then by the time COVID hit, you know, we were able to really utilize that. And then... That's preparing you. Another podcast that I've been listening to, and you know, I do strongly encourage anyone that is in business and um, in the retail world, especially, you know, there's a lot of really great resources out there. And one thing I've had to learn is I don't know the best about all these things. And these podcasts can give you some really cool feedback on those. And one of them talked about you either are thriving or you're surviving. And benotes to me, um, we, after the first month, I had stopped all my orders coming in. A lot of companies weren't even shipping the orders and we were running out of, you know, new items to post. So my manager, Kelly and I decided to start making these home videos. So I was doing quarantine cocktails and then we did flower makers. You did the cute one with your mom. My mom and I did a cooking video and then we made a flower arrangements. And when I tell you of all the clothes I've ever posted, we got more feedback on those videos than we've ever gotten on anything. And it was just out of the fact that we were running out of content. So hence came a whole new dynamic, which just chic home. People were asking, where were my wine glasses from? Where's my salad bowl from? Where did you get this? Where did you get that? So we decided that maybe it was an opportunity and we kind of branched into it. Now, you know, I'm in an advantage that my store is established. I had some capital that I could take and invest into a whole new avenue safely. We didn't, you know, buy everything that was out there, but it is a time right now, 2020, that is uncomfortable as it may be. If you are in business and you're an entrepreneur, you do have to try new things. And I failed a lot of times. I mean, in the five years of my business, I have 
you know, ordered a hundred of something and sold out or I've ordered a hundred and something and people are like, what is this? <laughs> so it, that's just retail. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you're not comfortable adapting and finding a new avenue, then it is kind of a survival mode. But in my experience, taking what my customers, even though maybe I do love the home stuff, but I'm definitely a fashion girl. I definitely, my heart is in the, the clothing side of things, but the home has been really fun. And I think that as long as I'm still true to my core, but offering, you know, this lifestyle that people are wanting, um, it could be really beneficial. Um, so for us, quarantine pushed us to try new things. And in my experience, it's been very beneficial. I I love that. Well, I definitely watched the videos and I'm all about that. Like I love the real life videos. I mean, we're all trying to figure out the new things. So how can people check out your store um, and all you have to offer? What is the best way for them to be able to see everything, whether they're local or where? So our Instagram page is Simply Chic BR. And then website is simplychicbr.com. Back to the the root of my store. Um, I've been blessed that the store has never had to put bread and butter on our table. Um, It's definitely taken me out of the home. So obviously it's a job and I, I need to make money at it. But for me, I've been able to really use it as a place of fun, um, I want fun for the girls that work there and I want fun for the customers. And I think that our followers have just been so awesome. They're encouraging to me. I asked my group of girlfriends, I said, man, you know, I don't want people to get this false impression that my house is always clean and that things are always perfect. I said, I should show behind the scenes. And one of them goes, well, we see that on the news. We don't need to see that. And, you know, <laughs> That's okay. Okay. and well, I was like, you know, we all do need an escape from reality. And so we do try to create just this fun environment through the store. Well, I love the colors of your kitchen. Y'all have to check it out. I told my husband, I'm like, when we get to build our dream house one day, I'm all about the colors. So let's talk about colors. Yeah. What are the upcoming fall trends that we all need to know about? So weirdly enough, back to my, you know, first grade um, cowboy days, cow print is a huge trend for fall. Um, both in cowhide, like we have these boots that have sold out a couple of times, cow sweaters. I have like a, um, button down top. That's like a cow print. So I guess, you know, uh, leopard has to move over for a second and let the cows take its turn because that's really big. Um, puff sleeves are huge trend, you know, the eighties, uh, that's, I mean, everything. I'm actually working on a new game day shirt and it is probably my proudest design yet. And it has a uh, shoulder pads in it. So it's super fun. So you do designing too. So I just work with a girl who does the design and give her my ideas and then she makes it come to life. I don't do the actual production side of it. That's kind of how I am with like things in general, like with my work or with anything, like I like can picture it in my head and write it down. But like, I am not like the creative, I can't pull it together, but I can tell you what I think would look good. So yeah, yeah, that's so me. Okay. So let's do a couple little trend fast questions. Okay. Bright colors or neutrals? For me personally or for the fall? Do both. Do both. Personally, I'm, I mean, today I have on neutrals, but on the regular, you're going to see me in bold, bright colors. That's what I like too. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so sneakers are so in, thank goodness, because I have bad feet. Like I had to have foot surgery. So do you think sneakers will be around for a while? I do. And I think that, you know, my hope though, because I I shared a post a couple of weeks ago about my great grandmother wearing high heels till she was 93. And people ask me why I always wear them. I'm like, well, I'm trying to beat her. Um, (laughs) I hope that people go back to the age of dressing up. I just, I'm a Southern girl. I like to look nice and dress nice, but we are definitely, definitely in this culture of jeans and sneakers. I can't keep the little sets in, um, that cozy little sets that everyone's wanting and they're really cute with sneakers. So I love the trend. I think it's fun. I think it's different, but I hope that we get back to pretty dresses and boots. I know. I really, I really miss wearing high heels. Like I used to, I don't think I'll ever be able to wear what, you know, I did right 15 years ago, but, um, I really, I like that I can wear them with dresses because I'm like, I always like to dress nicer and wear a dress, but I like that before if I want, like 10 years ago, if I would have wanted to wear a dress, it would have been a big problem because I can't wear heels anymore. And so now I'm like, I can still wear my nice dresses with my sneakers and sneakers and people think it's fine. So I'm a big hat girl. Do you think hats will be around for a while? It's big for school, I've seen. I think so. I mean, we have a ton of hats. We have more hats on the way. And I think that, you know, this whole hair washing that we've discussed multiple times, I think all girls love an excuse to not have to wash their hair. Yeah. So I see like the graphic tees are big. Um, Do you think that that'll keep being like kind of that game day look? I think so. You know, it's, it's a hit or miss. I feel like I've had the graphic tees for several seasons now, and I feel like they're at their peak currently um so we'll kind of have to see i think the the with all things and i tell this to anyone in business um it's not about what you have it's what you have first so keeping your eye out on something taking that risk on something that you think might be a big hit because the trends nowadays change so much you know when i was growing up you might can relate to this you went to you know, back to school shopping at the beginning of the year and you bought, you know, your outfits for back to school, then you might go back and get some outfits for Christmas and then you get some outfits at Easter. And that was it. You know, we didn't shop all the time. We didn't shop like on this consistent basis, like all the time. And I think now people are so, um, Instagram. Yeah. Minded that you want things that are disposable and you wear them once. So you just constantly have to keep your eye out on the next trend that's going to hit and, and kind of rotate. But keep those things in your closet because just in the five years that I've been open, things are already coming back. My favorite color is pink. Is pink going to be in in the fall? Pink is always in. Always. At the okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, even if you would have said it wasn't, I'll probably still wear it. Pink and lavender is pretty much a staple. Yeah. I love lavender too. Um, Okay, so we're moving into the holidays. A couple last minute questions. We're moving into the holidays. Your family loves, you know, hosting and the elaborate and doing all that. So what is your favorite holiday tradition with your family? 
So if you asked me that question 15 years ago, the answer would be different. You know, I come from a extremely, extremely close family. You know, my cousin Caitlin and Jacob and Molly and Trent. My mom has two sisters. And um, on my dad's side, I have 21 first cousins. 21, wow. 21. I might even have more by now. But um, there's a huge family dynamic. And growing up, you know, we had such strong traditions. You know, we went on my dad's side for Christmas Eve and we would have gumbo and we would do all those things. And then on my mom's side, we, every Christmas morning for my entire life until I was 18 years old, we did breakfast and presents at my grandmother's. And I've even written a poem about it because she had these glass windows across the front of her house. And my great grandmother that I referenced a lot all of our family, we would sit around and at that point we all traded gifts. And I know that might be sinful, but it was really fun. And and we bought for everyone in the family. And I mean, the gifts were like overflowing out the door. And I think just some of our fondest memories are of just being together and laughing. And after we were all finished, my great grandmother would always say, it's been a bountiful Christmas. (laughs) And she didn't mean just with gifts. She meant just with, you know, our time, um, And I'm such a sentimental person that I think that's something that I have tried to cultivate with our family. You know, you only get so much time on this earth and being with the ones that you love and and sharing that time. And I think that my mom and I shared this in our cooking video, but, you know, hospitality is, is a gift of environment and you're not doing it to cook this good meal. You're doing it so that you can all sit around the table and share about your day or the things that you're going through. And we play this game highs and lows. And in fact, we've kind of gotten lazy with it. And last night, my middle one, Cooper, was like, can we please sit at the big table? And as soon as we sat down, he goes, okay, highs and lows. Oh, I love that. High point of the day and our low point of the day. And and it's just important to make those memories. Yeah, I tell um, my husband all the time, Josh, I'm always like, I want to do that. So I do that. We call it roses and thorns for my staff meetings with uh, my students that work for me. And we do it every week. And, you know, it really, I always think things like that, like you really learn things. I mean, they really open up and share. And yesterday I opened up and shared and they were like, wow, like we didn't know you were going through that. But unless you ask, you really never know what people are kind of going through and what's, what people are struggling struggling with. But I love that. Well, So you've really shared with us all about your story, and I just appreciate you so much um, sharing about how you keep the faith and how you haven't let these trials define you, but you also really have kept faith when times get tough and when just it keeps going and going and going. I kind of feel like it's like when, you know, the devil attacks when things are good, kind of like when you talked about. I thought one of the coolest things is you said, you know, you were having that baby. You were like, something's coming, but times um, are so good. And I think we always just have to be on guard. And so I appreciate you kind of having some of those verses and sharing with openness and vulnerability. I know it's probably not always easy to go back to that time. So I ask everybody this question at the end. It's my favorite because it's how I learned about everything. So tell us three of your current favorites, must-haves, recommendations that all people need to know about? Must-have is, I mean, a mask currently. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you have like a favorite mask or anything? Uh, We have a mask. I think my must-have currently, just as like a mom and in and out and all, is the mask chain. Whoever thought of that, 
absolutely genius um, because you can just put your mask on the chain and like drop it down and you don't lose it and all those kind of things. Oh yeah. Everyone's been talking about that. I need to get one. Yes. And okay. So it was must have. And then what was the next one? So it's Remember? like must have favorite drug. Uh, it can be something at your store, anything. Okay. Um, I recommend, um, the, uh, unexpected cheddar from Trader Joe's. It is, uh, like we don't have it. There's, we keep it in our house constantly. We love it. My kids love it. It's kind of a mix between cheddar and Parmesan has a little crunch and it is a cheaper version than the whole foods. And, um, I mean, we pretty much eat it daily around here. So it's kind of like my go-to, you know, cheese boards are all the rage right now. And so I share that with all my people. Do you make cheese boards? I do. We love a cheese board. We, you know, one of our biggest blessings is our neighborhood. And so with having, you know, three small kids, you don't get to go out to eat a lot. So we just end up having everyone over and entertaining at each other's homes. So we're all about the cheese board. That's kind of what we do. I mean, none, none of us really have kids, only a few people. And we still like hanging out with every, at everyone's house. I always think it's more fun and builds community. And um, yeah, you can visit more. And with football season and in person. Yeah. Oh, this year the tailgating is going to be next level because it's all going to be at everyone's houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then my last thing. Um, so I love that you're doing this podcast. I'm kind of new to the whole podcast game. I mean, I've, they've been around, but you know, with my kids in the car all the time, we end up listening to Disney songs or different things, but I've made it a point to start listening to podcasts. And I think that there's a lot of knowledge out there. And so just searching for whatever field that you're in um, and using the time while you're in your car, or you're getting ready in the morning to listen to uplifting and positive knowledge. It's a, been a really awesome asset to my business and to my life personally. So yeah, okay. um, thank you for doing it. Well, thanks. Well, it's been a lifelong dream to have my own show. So it's, um, it's finally happening. What's your favorite podcast? Do you have one that like you look forward to every week? Um, so I love, um, slow your scroll. My friend Crystal with the pinch of lovely, she is a blogger and then she started a podcast and it's really good just because it relates to a lot of what I do with my business and it's kind of fun and, um, talks a lot about social media. Um, I'm listening to the boutique chat. It's a organization, um, the boutique hub, and she has a lot of powerful knowledge. And then lately I'm listening to the Brandon Burchard show, which is really, really good. It is, um, it's, it's amazing about just how to be a high performing person, um, and balancing life and your goals. So that's, that's a hard one for, I think everyone. So it's been a good one to listen to. Well, thank you so much again, Kelly, for sharing, for being open, um, for, you know, encouraging probably other people to share. That's one thing that we want to do with this podcast is um, the experiences that I had in my 20s, I didn't really expect to go through. And what I've learned so much is the encouragement when you hear other people have made it through the other the other side. And so you being open and sharing with us means so much. And I know so many people are going to feel that hope and encouragement through you. So thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy, busy woman. 
<laughs> well, I really appreciate it. And um, I'm proud of you. And I think Thank that this is going to be a really awesome thing for people to hear. And um, I think it's just any little tidbit of hope and happiness we can share. I think it's our duty. So I'm proud of you for um, mm-hmm. taking initiative. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. And I can't wait to come to your store soon when I can get back to Louisiana. Hopefully we stay away from hurricanes for a little while so I can come back. So thank you, girl. If our episode today touched you, inspired you, or brought you some good laughs, we would be honored if you subscribed to the Talk With Tori podcast and left us a quick review. This will give others who are scrolling through the podcast apps the ability to find us. Please share this with all the people in your life so more friends can hear our stories. Thank you for tuning in and we hope this episode brought you joy, love, and spice.